G'day guys, this is John Lance from the Queensland Reds and uh, you're tuning into the Running Rugby Podcast. So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. about that boys a wallabies win in the books week three of the rugby championship is in the books and australia were successful with their win over the Springboks in brisbane this weekend the running rugby podcast here with another week and leo and toby joining me again how do you feel about that is that completely changed the fortunes is checker back in the good books are the wallabies saved well i don't i don't know if i'm going that far i i didn't particularly get a lot of fulfillment out of that game like I like seeing a win, but it wasn't super convincing. I, I think we can do a lot better than that. Yeah, definitely imperfect. I think there's a lot more improvement in, in the Wallabies, particularly around this this new, I guess, combination in the back line with Tamura and Bill. I think Bill is probably trying to over overplay his hand a little bit, and I think it's going to give them a good opportunity against Argentina. Probably, a, you know, they're a less, less fancied side, and I think they're, they'll play a little bit more loose, so that'll probably suit Bill and and Tamura in terms of developing their game. So before we jump into that, obviously another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast coming to you. Catch up with us on Instagram at the Running Rugby Podcast or on Facebook at the same, or follow us on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. Um, We'll get it obviously a bit more further into depth into the Wallabies game. We've got lineups to talk about for this weekend, and we'll also have a look about what Argentina did last week and what they're going to bring this week, as well as another round of NRC in the books, as well as the News coming out from a few more player contracts signed as well. But going back to the Wallabies, we were all watching on Saturday night. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the new halves pairing? you want to start with the obviously late injuries? So we were down a few key players. But, I mean, we still managed to get a win. We didn't have Palau. We didn't have Pocock. We lost Adam Coleman late. A lot would argue he's a key member of our type five as well. Yeah, the Springboks, I think are kind of mirroring a bit what the Wallabies have been doing of late in terms of falling apart a bit in that second half. And they probably looked the better team, at least for the first, I don't know, 60-odd minutes or so. They they made some probably killer errors that really shut them out of the game. But overall, they they seemed like a team that was that kind of had the momentum in the game. And I just felt like we were a little bit lacklustre, like we didn't look like our structures were working particularly well. Yeah, I, I wasn't too impressed with with how Bill and Tamua were operating overall. Um, but, you know, look, a win's a win, and I think that's we've got to remember that. I think we're probably a bit harsh on the Wallabies because they've lost to Ireland and the All Blacks, like we talked about last week. And this is clearly... It shows that the Wallabies aren't that far off the pace. It's just, you know, when you're against the top opposition in the world, it's going to make you look probably worse than you actually are. So I don't think actually too much has changed. If anything... We probably played worse against the Springboks than than we have maybe against you know the All Blacks overall, but you know we got the result and and I think it's going to be a little bit of a turning point in terms of the Wallabies in this rugby championship. I mean, you covered a few points there. Let's start from the front. We had a new sort of forward pack. Obviously, some late changes with Pocock dropping out, Samu coming in, Coleman dropping out, Rodder coming back into the starting lineup, and Simmons jumping onto the bench. 
but the scrum was still a point which we kind of struggled at. First, not even the full strength, a lot of us would argue, Springboks team. And it really took, until the second half, and you get someone like Taniela Tupo coming on to solidify that. Taniela could have started in this game, and he might have brought that energy to the front front row, the through the tight five to the forwards. That's something that I think we're we're lacking. Like we we go we go into the game and we look like we're up for it, but we don't we don't look ferocious. We don't look really really energetic. We we kind of just you know play our structure and and don't go beyond um, just just matching the intensity of the opposition. And I think that's where we struggle because we if we only match and we don't get a breakthrough then it's it's like starting a it's like starting a bit of a distance race and you set a pace it's really hard to lift out of that pace after a while you get into a rhythm and you find it really difficult to lift and we got lucky in this game because the south africans sort of botched their line out and gave us a free try quite early but really we didn't create a lot for ourselves and i just think it's that really aggressive ferocious intensity that we're not developing early it doesn't give us a strong enough platform to to carry on the full first half with momentum mm. which obviously would lead to the second half and a bit of dominance there if you've if you've been successful in the first i mean i was impressed by pete sama i think he showed a fair bit getting his first start had some good solid runs making some meters there but i think you're right i think we still lack a bit of um, of those big boys to you know give us some momentum. I don't know whether that was a product slightly of not having Adam Coleman. I know we definitely missed him in trying to defend our malls because our mall defense in this game was more or less non-existent. We were lucky not to concede a couple of tries from the box in that. Yeah, and Arnold probably should have been a bit more dominant in those malls, but he's probably still yeah he's still probably getting back to speed in that Wallaby setup. But you're right. I just I think South Africa in this game they just made some pretty terrible selections overall in terms of their team. It almost seemed like I mean it's like they were selecting a bit for a, for a Wallabies team that they thought they could get the win over pretty easily. It's some of the guys they had on the bench. I just I don't know if that was you know by virtue of a slight injury to say Malcolm Marks things like that. But you know Beast Malcolm Marks you got those guys sitting on the bench mm, like it's, Andre Pollard. Yeah, Andre Pollard. Like you see him. Not to dwell on this week, but Andre Pollard's back in the team for this week. I just don't know why they started Yanchis. Like, I think he's shown at international level he's not quite up to that, um, playing that central playmaking role and, and really playing at a high level throughout the game. So Springboks, a bit bit curious with them. I, you know, People talk about they're in, still in good spirits and they're really kind of positive about what they're trying to put together. And that's why I keep comparing them to the Wallabies. Um, I think there's a lot of promise there, but in terms of delivering right now, in terms of the short term, I'm not sure how how consistent they're going to be. They're still experimenting a bit. I do feel like there's a bit of a maybe smokescreen going on, probably with the Wallabies as well. It's like, oh no, the boys are really positive, and we're we're you know things are good, we're things in camp are good, but to be losing as many games as we have in recent times, like there must be some frustration, and and I think I think the the changes that Checker made for the for the Springbok test. Maybe maybe just is, is an opportunity to kind of shake things up, get people out of the rhythm that they're in, and look for something to spark a different a different group into an attack into a, into the games. Which um, again, trying to bring more energy, trying to maybe get the guys to kind of forget about the 
stresses and strains of these regular mm. games and, and, and the monotony of the same group, the same result. Like It's like injecting a few debutantes. You bring in some fresh energy. Well, similarly, injecting some, some different guys in different combinations mm. might feel a bit more like you know getting back to your roots and getting back into some park footy or grade footy and, and you can kind of relax a bit, be a bit more creative and not feel so constrained by structures. Mm. And I know, Toby, you already mentioned the Beal-Tamua combination. You weren't a fan of sort of having Beal at that 10, sort of thought he was a bit erratic. Uh, what do you guys both think of Tamua at 12? I mean, he had a hectic week of travel having to play for Leicester and then um, fly back to Australia to be told that he's starting at 12 with a, a new 10 and that they have never lined up like this before. Um, do you think he lived up to what, what people expected from him? I think he was pretty good. But uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine the the distraction of flying all the way back for one game for Leicester and then and then back in for the Wallabies. Like that is not ideal at all. I don't don't think the All Blacks or the or even the Springboks teams they're not suffering those same sorts of movements, are they? Well, the the All Blacks can't. They won't let anyone be contracted outside New Zealand. But South Africa does have to deal with that stuff. So I mean, I don't think in this particular game there's anything like that going on, but. You could see how much that affected Pilotta now. Yeah, yeah it didn't lasted, even last the first half. Yeah, thirty minutes or something like mm. that. So all things considered, I think Tamua probably played above. Um, he did more than he was probably expected to in the circumstances. But we're so used to seeing Foley in that ten position. Having him not having him in this game, I, I just felt like it didn't. It didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel like you know, it was a positive change. And I maybe it just needs more time with these two working together. But even bringing Foley on late, I felt like we were a little bit more structured and, and in a good way, we, we just had that more direct feel. Whereas Bill, I think he has a tendency to overplay his hand. That's just how I feel when he's at 10. He just, he has so much in front of him and so many options that, you know, I think Tamur maybe is, is suited to being at first receiver more. Do you think Kirtley feels like he's not, bearing the full load of playmaker when he's got Foley with him or, or versus, you know, the counterpoint, Matt Tamura is less of a playmaker, so Curly feels like he's got more of the the role that he, he needs to fill. What I what I see from Curly in this game is that he was like, the spotlight's on me, this is my time to shine. I'm in the 10 jersey for the Wallabies. I might have actually even wanted this, you know, opportunity for a while. And I feel like he just tried to do a little bit too much and he looked a little bit busy which I, he didn't look calm. Mm. Um, and I know that he like he generally can look like that in, in some games, but at 12, I don't know, it just feels like Foley, he's so used to playing with him, he has a calming influence on him. And Bill know, knows his role when he's playing with Foley. You know, he's less familiar with Tamua. Tamua is probably a calmer head. Like, if you're going to compare styles, Tamua's probably a lot closer to what Foley is. So that's yeah. a positive. So they can probably work with that over time, but... You know, has Bernard Foley really done that much wrong? Should he be left out of the team? Should he be coming off the bench? I'm not so sure. I I could probably see Tamua playing more of a utility role and coming on mm. later in games. I feel like that's a better better fit. And I feel like we're going to end up going back to, to Foley and Beal after the next couple of games. I just That's how I feel. I mean, maybe people seem to, in the media particularly, they seem to be a big fan of this combination. But is it just, you know... A bit of it's a shake-up. just a new, fresh combination yeah. that people Are they just, just happy because it's a, it looks like we're progressing because we've selected another another guy in there? I don't know. 
is it an opportunity to freshen Foley up by giving him a couple of games off the bench and just let him find his mojo again? Because think, how yeah. do you find that if you if you're getting a lot of repeat games, similar results, very frustrating. Yeah. Like I said, it gets monotonous. It gets it gets you know disheartening. And how do you break out missed, of that? Foley hasn't missed many games in the last what four years. Yeah, is it is it that Czech is sensing that it may be a year out from the World Cup, he's taking his position for granted and he's maybe being maybe. a bit lazy and maybe he's just not quite on his game and he thinks, look, this is a good way to shake things up and make sure Bernard Foley comes back into form and really focuses on his game. Because you don't know what these guys are like in camp. Yeah, you don't know what they're He may have, no- may have noticed a drop-off off the field as well and there's something to address there. I'm imagining less that he's lazy and complacent and thinking I've got this wrapped up I just need to do what I do and more that maybe he's in there and he's putting his heart and soul into these performances and not getting results and that's just depressing and is killing his motivation and maybe just feels like he's powerless because I just remember seeing him late in the super rugby season particularly I remember again that game Brumby's final round game and he was so visibly upset when we were conceding the late tries and and you know put in the position where we lose that game he you know he's missing the final tackle we couldn't quite make make the cover tackle and just slam his hands in the ground and you know just absolutely filthy with well, yeah. not just himself but the other and and again it's that feeling that you're powerless and it speaks how do you a, get out of that a bit of desperation maybe in terms of trying to really find that form and you're desperate to get back to where you know you can be yeah and so and maybe that's it like takes being taken out of it to yeah, find right. it Change like, things take the pressure up. off and say, mate, come and do something different. Play Here's, 20 you know, minutes diff- a game. Different set of priorities. Well, yeah, I mean, it's less wear and tear on him too, but mm-hmm. 20 to 30 minutes when you get on, just relax the game, let the game come to you, make your decisions, keep it simple, and and just just try and get out there and enjoy it. You know, hope, hopefully we can get into some lead situations so when he comes on, he's not under as much pressure to try and turn the game around. Mm-hmm. That's not really much better. See, I saw it almost more as a chance for Checker, who's been obviously impressed with Tamua, and more just giving Tamua that opportunity more than taking something away from Foley. Um, but I do, I do believe come next year's World Cup, it will be Foley Beal in that ten twelve for us. Yeah, no, I, that's how I feel as well. But I, you know, I think as well because the rugby championship is pretty much gone. He's more willing to do this stuff as well. That's it. Yeah, I think that's probably true. He's like, oh, well, is there um. Is there a chance that is there a version of events where it becomes a a Foley Tamua ten twelve and Kurtley Beale is your utility and spark off the bench? Well, I was talking to this like to Archie during the week. If if they're even comfortable putting Falau on the wing as they are this week and having DHP back there, what if DHP goes down? Do you consider putting Beale at fullback? Could that work um, in terms of having maybe two more direct runners at ten and twelve? but also their, their playmakers too. Defensively, probably pretty strong. Um, and then you can inject Bill where you like from fullback. So that's another thing to be thinking about, you know, mm. particularly even going forward. I mean, DHP is he's in a pretty rich vein of form at the moment. He's done a lot of, lot of good things. At least I think having Tamur in the mix really keeps everyone on their toes. I think that's something we were lacking. Like we were thinking about you bring in Hamish Stewart or something like that. Having Tamur there is just a, he's an elite option and he's our third elite option as a playmaker. We haven't had that for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. 
I mean, we could talk about this for hours and hours. Um, the only other thing I wanted to have a chat about in this game, we obviously had Nick Phipps not making the bench, had some rib injuries from the Shoot Shield final, and Joe Powell came onto the bench, but didn't get any play time. Do you think that there's a chance that we're going to end up, like we're talking about having this good depth that in our playmakers now, are we going to end up coming into the World Cup and things with only having sort of uh, Genia and Phipps who we're really comfortable having on the field because I'm not sure Checker really trusts having Powell on the field for sort of um, end of game, sort of really tight games. And that's his sort of, that's his apparently third best option in Australia at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree. But I um, I think you're going to miss out on having that third guy because you keep we know neglecting Jake there. Gordon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We know who I mean, should I mean, be there, like, but he's not. Take take the uh, take the New Zealand team with All Blacks. Take the Argentinians as an examples. You've got two very similar halfbacks, bench and starting. They both bring heaps of energy. They're both quick sniping, you know, con- contesting players. I feel like Phipps is in there to see a game out. Maybe make some covering tackles. Mm. He's not a he's not a fault. Go forward halfback for the most part. Like Genny is there making breaks. Phipps. Does occasionally, but nowhere near as frequently. And he's a, yeah, he's a defensive I, I, halfback. I don't, I don't think you need a, a two different guys with two different styles in case of the situation. I don't think Joe Powell has a strong enough style that I can, you know, pigeonhole him anyway. Yeah, I would much rather have the two strong attackers in Genia and then Jake Gordon in that in that vein. And I mean, they're they're, they're more similar than any other pair in that group of four. Well, they're and, attacking and they're aggressive and they can snipe. They can um, break a game open as well. Yeah. Out of nowhere, through the middle, they can break a game open. Mm-hmm. And Jake Gordon can play. We've seen him play on the wing. He can do, he can finish, he can do everything. Yeah, he's, he's flexible. And he's, like, he's a calm head. You've seen him for the Waratahs. Like, he, he doesn't get kind of rattled by the big occasion either. So, I don't really know what's going on there. I'm not sure why he's not in the broader squad. I'm sure there, there is a reason for that. But at the moment, I can't see it clearly. And I think that would solve a lot of our problems, particularly year out. You get him in there this year, mm. give him some he more should experience. Be in the squad. He should be in the squad. Even the if you least. have to carry four of them, like make them really oh. battle hard for that bench spot. If Genny is your number one, you know, have a lot of competition around that spot. I'm not sold on Powell. And I'm, Phipps is kind of, I mean, I think three or four years ago, maybe he was in pretty good form. He hasn't been that great lately. Bit more um, vanilla now. Yeah, and I mean Gibson showed it last year where he's just starting Gordon all the time, and he's so ex- happy to sit Phipps out. Again, example: think of the All Blacks. You get Aaron Smith, you get TJ Perinara, these guys who year to year seem to keep improving. They pull out new surprises. You see Perinara taking that Superman uh, intercept and scoring a try. Like they, they get, they, it's like they're getting better. They're getting better with age, which is what you want. Well, now I can see Will Genia being just as um, sort of creative and, and I don't know if he's dramatically getting better, but he's, he's certainly not losing pace. I don't feel like I've seen any growth out of Phipps. No, he's gone backward, seasons. I would say, and I think Genia is fit at the moment, so well, you see him play backwards. whole games. Um, Genia in the backwards. past. Genia in the past, though, has struggled to play a full game. Yeah, mm. and that's um, why you need someone strong as coverage, but... Yeah, like Phipps, he may not have gone backwards, but he, if he hasn't progressed, then relative to everyone else, he's gone backwards. Yeah. So that game ended up Australia twenty three eighteen, holding out South Africa late with some good defence. But the other game of the weekend, 
All Blacks, we all knew what was going to come here, uh, but was closer than people predicted for about 60 minutes in this game. Argentina put up a good fight. Uh, ended the game 46-24, but wasn't really representative of the majority of this game. You may claim that it's an underpowered All Blacks team that didn't have a few of their key people in it, but uh, Argentina made it close and you again saw how damaging and how good their back three are with uh, Moyano scoring a great try on the wing early on and Buffelli late in the game breaking off um, a big run as well. So I think these are guys we're definitely going to have to look out for when, yeah, we, well, when we play. Them. Leo called it on Buffelli. Mm. He definitely you know, came through with that one. Um, he's a dangerous runner. He has been all year. Um, Argentina have potential, and that's why I think this week like we need to be on our toes because they, they really did put up a bit of a fight to the All Blacks. Um, I know we can talk about second teams and stuff, but the All Blacks could play that team you know, any week and, and probably bet, beat most of the, the sides in the world. So um, I don't think we should be really thinking that Argentina had an easy go of it, even though they lost by... You know, twenty. I think it was it was very tough for them. Yeah, like three tries in the end, and I think it was it was about a two try margin for a lot of the game, and then they they came back, and then the All Blacks blew it out at the end. But twenty six points is more than the Australians put on the All Blacks in their two contests at the start of the Rugby Championship. So Argentina, just like the Jaguares, are that dangerous team that when they get on a roll, they they start breaking you open if you mm. don't react accordingly and contain them and drag momentum back into your hands then they can just run all over you and and they would see themselves as being competitive in any contest any week any opponent they're not afraid of reputation they'll have a good crack at you and and you can't afford to let them get out of hand Mm. it seemed like a team that if they get on a roll it doesn't really matter where they're playing home ground advantage goes out the window because they'll they'll go they'll just play with the flair that we've seen and it's a very open game that they play. They're less sort of um, dependent on the set piece than they have been in years past. Um, they're more about offloads and more about throwing those 50-50 passes. And if they start to and come support. off, they'll, yeah, they'll start to work. Strong supporting play. They do actually look a bit like the All Blacks at times with the way they throw the ball around. Mm-hmm. Like they're particularly with their locks and also their loose forwards, they can do it all, and it's 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 quite impressive to see. I think the Wallabies could ramp that up even a little bit in that area but the the set piece for the Puma is still very strong we need to be on our game but yeah I don't I don't really see too many areas where they're weak the Pumas um, and I think Ledesma has, has made a big difference across the board but yeah I don't know what you think Leah. the Pumas have really great attacking flair good set piece I think quite often where they let where they get let down is just through basic handling errors and the occasional sort of miscommunication where, or, you know, they pop a pass and the guy runs outside instead of inside, unders, overs. So they just make those sort of little errors where uh, they, they don't tend to look like they're um, just running up against a brick wall. They're either breaking you open or they're, you know, suffering some basics errors, which either results in a turnover or just lose their momentum. Whereas sometimes by comparison, I think the Wallabies look like they're, they're rolling with a plan. The skills aren't brilliant, but things are sticking. But it's just kind of, it just feels like we're get, gaining no ground and we're just grinding and grinding and grinding. Mm. I don't I don't think the, the Pumas or the Haguaras, the core there, have a particularly grinding game. They're looking to expand, go mm. edge to edge, 
and play with a lot of pace. And, and as long as the passes stick, they're really dangerous. It's only when they have an off game with the ball and the distribution that they tend to be overwhelmed. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that probably brings us to this weekend and um, Wallabies obviously taking on the Pumas up at the Gold Coast, so not far for the Wallabies to travel. Ledesma returning to face Checker. Larkin, this is a coaching crew that have spent a lot of time together in the past and probably know each other pretty well. The Wallabies team has been named and not many changes. Front row remains the same, second row the same. Pocock has been named to return uh, with Samu dropping to the bench and Pocock at eight. Uh, similar halves pairing in Beal and Tamura as we expected and Falau comes back on but named at the wing and DHP retaining uh, his place at fullback and I guess that's on the back of a couple pretty strong outings from DHP really what do you think Falau on the wing is has it just been a long time coming or do you think it's a reflection of the injury that he's coming back from and they want to protect him a bit uh it could be it could be related to giving him a little bit less uh workload in, in defense and, and with his injury, but I, I honestly think this is his best position. I I don't see him anymore as, as a really dominant fullback. Like, he's great in attack, but I think all the things that he can do for a team in attack can be achieved as a wing. And, in fact, being out that little bit wider where he really is going to get set up with one-on-ones almost every time gives him so much more opportunity to... To stretch out and 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 you know step guys and put fans on, whereas when he's crushed into the middle, he's coming at pace or he's under a high ball and he's kind of surrounded and he's much better in open space. So I'm happy with that. And if it's a reflection of DHP's strong games, well then congratulations to him because he's he's earned a, a 15 jersey in the Wallabies and and Falau's owned that for a long time. And the way people talk about Falau in his best form. Is he one of these best fullbacks in the world? Well, I think Dane Hallett Petty is a more stable option, and and with a a Pumas team that's probably going to pull a few sneaky moves, a few chips over the top. I think I'd rather the the strength in the positional play of Dane Hallett Petty in the game reading, and let Falau just range out wide, match the pace of uh, Moyano, but also hopefully take advantage, make his size and speed advantage on him in attack. Yeah, I think you said it right there, Leo. Like, DHP is a better game manager at the back, um, positionally, probably defensively as well. And it gives Falau the ability, like you say, to kind of roam around a bit like Corabedi does and inject themselves, I think. These wingers inject themselves throughout, whether it be left or right. I think, you know, he's been named on the right wing, Falau, and that's kind of where he started off with in 2013 against the Lions. And you saw him score... You know, a couple of tries in that first game, just by virtue of his, his stepping, um, he's he's a powerhouse. And if I think if you can simplify his game a little bit and still give him the freedom, I think that will help him a lot. Maybe sometimes he's hampered by the fact he has to stay back. He has to think about, okay, I receive the ball, even though he's so good at that. But then he's got to think, should I kick it? Should I be doing this and that? If you're on the wing, it's a very simple thing. You you often just looking to score tries, and you can roam a little bit in that. I think that actually help him a bit, particularly if he's carrying maybe a slight injury. It it keeps things simple for him. He's um, probably going to be slightly less, you know, slightly less running in that as well, mm-hmm. and, you know, because a fullback is moving a lot, and and we've got to be careful in defence. If Argentina makes breaks, um, you don't want Falau kind of struggling to get into position. So I think it's a good option for now. Whether it lasts, who knows? Um, it probably depends on the form of DHP a little bit. 
because Falau's pretty consistent. So we'll have to see how it goes. I'm probably worried that, I mean, we've seen Korobiti and I guess to an extent Maddox go a little bit missing in the last couple of weeks, whether that's because the backline plays, like we haven't had as clean a ball, whether that's partly because we've got new halves pairings that aren't as good as distributing. Are we at risk though of then... I mean, I think we've we've suffered not being able to get Corabiti that ball in open space. We could end up yeah. doing the same thing and Falau's not really going to be involved in these games and we're not going to give him a chance to, you know, use his skills. Yeah, you've got to make sure he gets the ball and that's key. And you can't also let them roam too much. Like, there is a limit to that. And I think Cam Shepard have said it this week. He kind of refers back to, to what Lottie Takiri used to do in terms of injecting himself maybe on the inside ball from one of the centres, um, even just out wide on, on those kind of bomb kicks that they used to do to him. I think there was one in the World Cup final where he got up above uh, Jason back Robinson. Back 2003, yeah. Exactly. So I think there's a lot of merit in that, and I think there's there's a lot of potential in what Flau could do, but they've got to use him correctly. Otherwise, like you say, Archie, could, he could end up just not touching the ball enough. Because at fullback, he does touch the ball more, but whether he's more potent in that position is another question. So moving on, obviously, we've talked about the Tamua and Beal um, combination. Um, Genny is obviously there. Going to the sort of front row, I think a lot of people are still talking about getting Taniela Tupo a start. And he still hasn't had it. He's still he's now on the bench, him and Sakopi Kefu. They've gone with two tight head props, keeping Alan Alalatoa um, starting at tight head, who I think we'd all agree, struggled a little bit in this last game. He's probably the one person you don't have as much confidence in that front row. I mean, Scotty Co is pretty set as a good sort of world-renowned scrummager. With a um, beard. With a, with a oh, beard. He's our, best, he's our best loose head by exactly. a fair way at and the Tadafu moment. And Tadafu now is another sort of... He's in there because he's that good at scrummaging. He is, and I, I hope he can last more than 30 minutes this week. But yeah, Alatoa, I feel like... <laughs> He's probably he's probably less capable than he was a couple of years ago when he first came on the scene. I, I don't know what it is. Now. Yeah, I think he, he's just less imposing on the game, which is strange to say because, you know, you see him as a big unit. He, he, he actually used to carry the ball, I think, a little bit more effectively. Mm. We need to see more of that. Um, his scrummaging should be okay, but like you say, I think Taniela's got it over him. And I think Czech has missed a bit of a trick here. This was, the, I think, an ample opportunity to start Taniela. Even if he only lasts 40, 50 minutes, you've got Kepu there on the bench to come on. Like, mm. you've got one of the most seasoned tight head props in the world to come on and play, you know, a half of football, 30 minutes, whatever you need. Taniela could come out firing. You know, I think either way, I think he just needs an opportunity to start. Um He's great at the end of games, but I think he could start and really get us on the front foot. Yeah, I mean, I was I was more about um, not starting him, but that was when I thought we were going to stick with Kepu as our sort of starting tight head. But I guess I guess we'll, we'll see sort of what happens, whether Alan Alatoa can have a bit of a stronger game this week. Um, looking, I guess, to our locks, uh, we mentioned before sort of line-outs, mall defense wasn't quite strong enough for us last week. Interesting that I think, I don't know if it's a, Good move. I mean, Isaac Rodder didn't have a poor game last week, but strange, I think, to leave Adam Coleman back to the bench because it's not injury-related. He missed last game because was welcoming welcoming a new a new child to the family. Yeah, congratulations, Adam Coleman. Um, I reckon it's probably because he hasn't joined camp 
for a few extra days. He's probably been with his wife and, and newborn. Maybe he's missed part of the week's training and, and it's just a way to um, not put too much pressure on him. And those guys have trained some set-piece moves. That's that's what my guess would be. He's probably not going to turn around after the child being born on the was it Friday or Saturday, um, Saturday and come straight back to camp. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think he'd be there for another few days and he's probably just missed a few sessions and they're thinking, well... We need the guys who've been here and heard all the plans and all set and ready with the set piece. Yeah, he's probably gone back to Melbourne. So not that it's a long flight, but I think it kind of makes sense in the in the context of, of these selections. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm positive about Rory Arnold. I think he has he can offer a lot. Um, Simmons was in pretty strong form coming out of Super Rugby, but he didn't do a whole lot to kind of show that he deserves to be there in that Wallabies 23. So I think at the moment... These these locks, from what we have to offer, I think you know Kane Douglas was there before, but I think having abrasive guys like Rodder, Coleman, and also Arnold are, is the right way to go with this. Mm. Um, they're all big units, they're all tall, um, and I think they they should all be pretty capable in the lineout. And I think that's probably, you know, we did have a lot of worries about our lineout, but that seems to kind of have come together a bit more. Um, but yeah, Taft just needs to be. I really hope that he's able to kind of pull through and and maybe play at least 50 minutes this game because even though Fang is a, a good player, I think that he's still developing and he's probably more suited to coming on later in the game. All right, we talked about it last week how we were going to beat the South Africans and I think we did it to an extent in terms of trying to keep the ball um, away from their quick wingers, trying to shut them down um, and working through the backs because they have obviously had those big boys up forward. What are we going to do against the Pumas this week? How are we going to win this game? What do we need to shut down on there? We need to be strong out wide in defense when the ball gets there. Uh, I'm not going to advocate that we that we stick with this the rush-up defense all the time to try and contain them necessarily. I mean, that's one way to do it. But uh, I think we talked last week about having multiple game plans and, and mm. if that rush-up defense isn't working and they are outflanking us, we need to adjust and and just I, mean, I think it's pretty clear that the ball will either go edge to edge or they'll be looking for someone like Buffelli to come through at pace off someone's shoulder and and catch someone who's a bit you know decides to line up the say it's say it's Sanchez and and uh, one of the forwards is out wide if they put Sanchez on their right shoulder well Sanchez is going to want Buffelli running off uh, the other side and try and get him himself. Uh, in line with the defender, so Buffelli's got a gap, and and that's what worked against the All Blacks, and that's what worked for them in Super Rugby. That that's the backline play, and then and then set piece, you've got to be really competitive and strong in the malls and the lineouts, and make sure we try and uh, break them break them down pretty early. Don't let them get set because they're very strong with Creevy at the back once they're set. Yeah, look, I'm not going to dispute anything you say there. Leo. I think that's they're key things that we need to be on top of. For me, I think discipline's one thing. You know, the Argentinians can roll you up a little bit. You've got to, we've got to make sure that our forwards keep their heads. And I think just being really abrasive in our defence, even if we're not rushing up, I think we've really got to be putting those hits on and, and being physical because I think when we did that against the All Blacks in Sydney early on, we really got the upper hand. And I know we, we ended up capitulating in that game, but I think if we kind of rattle the Argentinians early, I really think the game's going to open up and I think there's going to be plenty of points in this one. 
I really want the Wallabies to make a statement. But if they don't do these key things, then they're going to be chasing their tails and they could even find themselves behind at halftime. So we need to start well. What's the statement, do you reckon? What, what kind of scoreline do you want to see that indicates we've been successful attack and defence? I think you're looking at probably, from my perspective, it would be something like 45-17 would be what I was looking at. Probably a couple of tries from Argentina. I'm, I think they're good enough to probably get one or two against us. Um, but I would be looking at us piling on the points in, the, in this one, particularly late. Um, if we use our reserves correctly as well, I, I really think you can even see Maddox coming on and getting a couple of tries late in the game because there's going to be points in this one. I think the against the All Blacks, they kind of showed that, that they can fall apart a little bit later on. So, um, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be telling, though, I think in the first 20 minutes how this game plays out. I don't see it being a tight one, but you've got to hope that the Wallabies can put on far more points than Argentina does. I think I'd be content with with sort of a four tries to two and maybe some penalties in there, something in the range of 28-32 sort of to 15. I think that would do it for me. I don't, I don't actually, I don't, I'll, I'll take the under on, on your prediction. I think the, the points won't be quite that high. I don't know that it'll blow out that one way. Mm. Um, I think the statement I want to see is the Wallabies get three or four really well-constructed tries, whether it's, you know, a whole lot of phases and then just targeting a weak point in their defensive line and, and, and making hay. Or if it's some, some quick set piece stuff close to the line, that's that's fine either way. Just just to, to gain those points in a controlled way, not off, uh, you know, a, a bit of luck or a 50-50 that, that, that go, falls to the Wallabies. And then to defend well and, yeah, only leak one or two tries, force them to take some penalties, but not really let them... Try, try and get more than one try out in front and maintain that and, and really push them to start taking bigger chances, which hopefully gives us more opportunities to counter. Yeah, and no, I, I agree. I think I'd like to see a very similar game script to what um, Argentina and New Zealand game sort of encompassed. Like, look, we hang with them, we stay strong, some good defense maybe. I think we will concede some points against these guys. I think the first 20 minutes will be quite uh, telling in this because... You talk about their back three being uh, really dangerous. I really worry about the back three of their forwards, their loose forwards um, with Matera and Ortega Desio and Kramer. I think they're going to play a big part early in the game. We need to shut them down at ruck time. Um, And if we can do that and frustrate them there, I think that's going to give us a big advantage sort of moving forward. But yeah, I'd like to see some good, well-constructed tries in this and Look, if we can get ahead by 15 points, 20 points, I think that would be absolutely um, great. I mean, we've we've just knocked over the number seven in the world, being number five um, by five points. These guys are number nine. So if we're going on world rankings, we should be beating them by, you know, another couple of tries. Yeah, I'm hoping we win, like I said before, maybe 25, 30 point margin. Um, I'd be happy with that. I think Argentina are a decent team, and I think they've turned the corner a little bit with Ledesma back in charge, or not back in charge, but in charge, because they were pretty terrible um, during June. Yeah. So uh, their fortunes have changed quite a bit, um, but they're not, they shouldn't be, at least, they shouldn't be on the Mm. same level as the Wallabies. Um, So look, let's, let's hope for a good performance. If we can string two wins together, that gives us a bit of a, bit of a launching pad then into the, the game against South Africa in South Africa. So That's um, it. It, this is a bit of a key game. The pressure's off Checker for now. 
um, and let's hope that the players kind of are building some confidence back and and really looking to to move forward strongly. Yeah, suddenly he can go to a fifty percent win in the rugby championship, um, and goes three from seven this year rather than what it could have been sort of two from seven, one from six if we lost last week. So yeah, could be big. The other game, obviously, um, South Africa head over to Wellington to play the All Blacks. Uh, All Blacks naming a uh, much similar team to what played Australia. And the Springboks bring back in Malcolm Mark, bring back in Andre Pollard, along with a couple other small changes as well to them. Uh, but sh- obviously the box have targeted this, uh, to, and they want to make a statement here as well. They want to show the All Blacks that they are sort of back in world rugby. They are a team that can compete with them, maybe how the Wallabies weren't able to do. And this is this is looking at this lineup for South Africa. This is a far better team. And I think, I'm not sure if they were like thinking, okay, look, the Wallabies are a less tough opposition than the All Blacks and we need to make sure our guys are peaking for the All Blacks game away. I don't know what their thinking was, but it seems like they've really got their lineup in better shape this week. I don't think there are any chance of winning, but... I think New Zealand will be tested at certain times and I don't think that they'll, it'll be a blowout win. I think probably you're looking at, say, 10 to 12 points by the All Blacks. I think this will be a pretty violent affair um, with guys like Marks coming back in, Etzebeth in getting into some form now. But I, I'm still questioning having Peter Steph the toy there at, at blindside. Um, I know he's number less, seven, but more or less playing three second rows. Yeah, in the team. and I mean, this, this has been the debate with Tui. Like, is he a second row or is he a blindside? I think, from my perspective, Tui is a blindside. I know he does play second row as well, but he's a very, very mobile guy. The toy, there is some kind of, I think there's there's some conjecture over whether Safari actually have enough ball carriers, and whether there's too much pressure on, say, Elizabeth and people like Malcolm Marks in carrying the ball. Because Whiteley's not a big guy. So I think it's... Their forwards, I think, lack a bit of firepower in terms of carrying the ball. But I think defensively and I think set-piece-wise, they're going to be pretty strong. So, look, I, I hope the All Blacks get tested. That's what we all want to see. Like, we don't want to see the All Blacks doing these these games easily. But as you can see with the All Blacks team, they've named a pretty pretty damn strong lineup. It's um. How many times have we seen Jesse Creel on the wing? That's uh, once not or saying. twice before, I think. He has done it a little bit earlier. Earlier versus England, I think it was one yeah. of the games um, because yeah. Lukanya Am was was preferred for a few of those early games, and and that's the centre pairing that pretty much took apart England in the in the first couple that's of games true. of that June series. So they're back to that. And look, Pollard is far superior, I think, to any other ten going around South Africa right now. So they've made mm. a good call bringing him back in, but. Mate, it's fascinating to see. I it's think. interesting. It's, to me, to me, it looks like they they really wanted Creel involved. Yeah, you're, you're right. They've got this centre pairing that that were the um, dominant pairing against England, and they've decided they don't want. Whoa! I mean, in my mind, Jesse Creel's almost a specialist thirteen. Like that's that's really what he's purely a thirteen. They decided they'd rather have Cheslin Colbe on the on the bench as a utility and, and just put Creel on the wing. So just play like a, that additional outside center. I, I don't, honestly, I don't think you lose that much. And he's, um, he's not really going to be a great finisher of Jesse Creel. Yeah. He's not going to be a kicker. He's a massive like dude the, as well. He's for the like, back three, but he's mm. strong and he's fast and he's, 
and he's a good he's defender. He's a smart so player. Yeah, he can do that. But it, I'm, I'm wondering if the defensive chops are what's getting him there because mm-hmm. who's he going to be matched up against? Is it Rico Yuani? Yeah, true, probably. True. So yeah, they do need a bit real, of size. real out there versus one of these guys that's a bit in and out of the team. Mm. Is that trying to bottle up the the All Blacks wing? I mean, Mapipi um, is dropped out. He has actually sustained an injury, but I agree, Krill's obviously a much stronger defensive person mm. in that team. Um, and as we know, the Springboks seem to favour two out and out wingers, maybe without sort of that kicking prowess. Um, and rely a much more Willie LaRue, who sort of let them down versus the Wallabies. Um, but I think we've we've named the big people that need to step up. People like Marks and Etzebeth up front really need to step up if and dominate this all-black pack and really stop them at ruck time. And then um, people like Willie LaRue need to need to help out in that back line. It may be one thing that we, we overlooked uh, in our Wallabies spring box breakdown was Perhaps the Wallabies did actually do a pretty good job of containing LaRue because we know he's their, he was their playmaker out wide deep in the back line and, mm. and was was pretty dominant against the Argentinians. Like he, just the number of touches he was so involved. Not not having um, re-watched the Wallabies game, I would think that we, we probably targeted him and did shut him down reasonably well because he, he's always involved. And if he hasn't been the centrepiece of a couple of their tries, then we must have must have closed him down enough to take him out of the game. Yeah, he's a quality player. He's I've seen him play for Wasps quite a bit like lately and he's he's even getting better I think with age in some ways. Um so yeah, definitely a key player for the All Blacks to watch out for. I think across the board there's not too much to say about the All Blacks. They they welcome back most of their key guys. Um and it's just a really well-balanced team there. You know, Barrett's going to be fresh. Crotty comes back in. Hopefully he doesn't get any more concussions. Um, but Leonard Brown's been lighting the world on fire and he's keeping Jack Goodhue on the bench. And Geordie comes back at 15. So it's um, it's a pretty talented team across the board and you'd be you'd be struggling uh, to, to poke any holes in that team. I was listening to the short ball today and they're pretty confident that every single player in that All Blacks team would be preferred in terms of selections to the, the box team. So... You can see that the the Kiwis are confident, and it's not often that we kind of get behind the spring box. But I think you know if they can rattle them a little bit early and and really be physical, you never know. You never know something good could happen for them. So yeah, let's just hope for a very physical affair. Um, like I said, I think it's going to be. You're a just hoping some, someone injures some of the All Blacks, and so maybe we can win um, come later in the year in Japan, aren't you? Well, that's kind of the trend, isn't it? We kind of underwhelm early on, and then by the third game, we're kind of right up for it, and mm-hmm. and it's a very tight tussle, whether it be a draw or a win for us. I think often that third Bledisloe is our um, is our chalk and cheese a little bit when it comes to playing the All Blacks, but I don't know, man. It's it's pretty hard if they keep this team together for the next year or so. I think it's it could potentially be looking at a you know a hat trick of World Cups, which is no one wants to see that, so. Let's hope that we can start disrupting that that all black um, setup um, sooner rather than later. In other news around uh, Wallaby Watch, we've obviously seen a few players sign some um, extensions and towards Australian rugby. Marika Korobedi has committed uh, to the Wallabies till the end of next year. Obviously, locking himself in for the World Cup, which is always good to see, as I think he's probably our first selection at wing um, at the moment. Depending, obviously, 
whether Falau is going to start to be considered as that sort of first selection winger. And also Isaac Rodar has signed a deal to stay stay on till the end of 2020, which is obviously good to see as a, one of the youngsters and up-and-comers in Australian rugby. And one of the powerhouse locks with him and Adam Coleman obviously looking to create a pretty solid pairing for the future. Um, other signings around Super Rugby, uh, we saw Martin Nonu's signed on to the Auckland Blues to return next year, uh, probably likely to replace Sonny Bill Williams, who you'd think is probably moving on at this stage, but exciting to have Martin <coughs> back to watch um, in Super Rugby next year. That'll be good to see. I just want to give a big shout-out to, to Swoopy, Adam Ashley Cooper, or, or Two Dads, however you want to call him. Oh, Two Dads. Um, Mate, it looks like he could be coming back to the Tars and he's he's making a making a run for this World Cup next year. So very good to see. He's been playing in Japan um, and before that he's playing in Bordeaux. Um, so he's, he's, he's definitely been plugging away and he, he never actually retired. So it's I think it's a great thing to see him back. I mean, you never know if he's actually going to get there and be able to lock down one of those wing spots. But to have someone like that in the mix, I think is fantastic. So... Hopefully it comes to the Tars. I think the Force are also in the running. But given they're not in Super Rugby, I think the Tars at the moment are, are favoured oh, to lock him up. So, mm. you know, let's let's hope he gets back. And, and you know, someone like that, is he's a class player. I love Adam Ashley Cooper as much as the next Hughes, Hughes brother. Uh, it does worry me a little bit that our potential uh, World Cup squad stocks are coming from veterans coming back from overseas and we're not developing these young gun 20 something early 20 guys who are going to set up our team for the next decade but yeah you know what if if we need to rely on those guys as we as we bridge into the next generation then sure if he can i I think you'd likely see him come in even if he comes into wallaby camp act a bit like what drew mitchell did as a bit of a mentor to these younger guys as well i don't think he's really If you can impart some knowledge on exactly. someone like Korobiti. Exactly. You know, I'm sure Falau is pretty familiar with him, but Korobiti was one still of the greatest finishers uh, for the Waratahs, at least. I remember back in the when they were in the Super Rugby final, scoring two tries, he just could not be stopped in that. Particularly against the All Blacks. He's an absolute killer against the All Blacks. So that's something I think, you know, he's got that instinct. And, you know, if you're going to have young wingers like Maddox or. Corbetti's not particularly young, but he's still quite new in terms of playing rugby. Um, if Adam Ashley Cooper is around the setup, that's only a good thing. I'm not sure you're going to see him start. He could be included in that squad, and I, I think if he got the opportunity, he'd be, he'd be killing it like he used to do. <laughs> Might be in for the games versus Uruguay or something in the World Cup. Yeah, just score moments. a cool five tries, that's a la Chris Latham or something. Yeah, back in the day. Um, it, we also had the next round of NRC coming up, and... Obviously, the first view we had of the Sydney teams in this, um, the Rays and the Country Eagles both going down. Rays going down 17-54 to 54 versus the Vikings and the Force uh, having the Country Eagles come to town and oh, ripping those birds to shreds a little bit, 54-28. to 28. Um, Other results had the Drua, an emphatic win over Brisbane City, over Quaid and these boys 66-5 to five in Queensland Country. Just beating out the Melbourne Rising 29-28. to 28. So a few interesting results there. But you think the Drua are still looking like they're frontrunners in this competition. Um, along with the Force that have obviously had this sort of four months together already. And a lot of training games um, to prepare for this tournament. Yeah, and I think that's what we expected. Particularly with the Force. Like they've had so much time together. 
even though they've been playing these kind of ad hoc games, they've really formed some decent combinations. And I mean, who knows what they're going to look like next year in terms of World Series rugby or Indo-Pacific rugby, whatever they want to call it. Um, you know, for Western Australians, I think it's a good thing. Um, they're keeping that force brand pretty strong and hopefully they're not just constrained to just the NRC every year and they've got some other games to play. I think Twiggy Forest has kind of got some things in in the works at the moment. So hopefully we hear a bit more from, from them. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's only a good thing. More rugby being played and, and rugby being spread across the board in terms of Australia is a good thing. So let's hope they keep going well. And the the well, the, I think we tipped those four results last week. No, uh, you you tipped the Rays. That was the only one you got wrong, mate. Oh, uh, did we? Okay. Yeah. Um. The yeah, I was gonna say disappointing that some of the some of the scores were a bit blowout. Um. I think something. Well, it, t- it tends to be the way in the slightly a lower tier competitions that there's more points and the defense isn't quite as much of a focus. But um, I think that's something that would really make a difference for these teams has a really strong defensive outfit who can contain teams like Fiji, teams like uh, I think uh, the Queensland country guys are still pretty active, pretty aggressive in attack, try and keep those score lines a bit closer. So hopefully hopefully it balances a bit more parity in the next few weeks. We don't see too many blowouts. But yeah, Fiji Drew are looking very, very strong. Yeah, definitely. All right, I'm going to go through the next round in the NRC. I want you guys to give me your tips. So first game of that is uh, it's the New South Wales Country Eagles take on the Melbourne Rising at home. So Country Eagles at home? Yeah, Country Eagles at home. Whoa. I think I'm going Melbourne Rising. I'll take the Country Eagles. I, I saw one of those plays that Jed put on and that was enough of course to do you it for saw Jed. Jed should be Did you see in the Paddy Wallabies. Ryan's try? Mac Mason put Paddy Ryan in for a cool 20-meter sprint under the thought post. He, thought he'd retired. I wasn't sure he was still <laughs> he's playing. A, he's but a country, He's a captain. That's all right, man. Yeah, he's, I'm sure he's doing well. Um, but, you know, Jed Holloway, look, should be number eight for the Wallabies. Um, scored a great try. Yeah, and I'm thinking the country. Guy? Oh, my uh, God. Pocock, put Pocock at six. How, have you got his address? Have you been sending him flowers or something? He must know you. You have a little shrine. I just, just I tend to just too. stand outside his house yeah. and wait for him. That's yeah, that's pretty much enough. my move. So, <laughs> next game, Queensland country at home, and the Fiji and Drua, their first game away from home. And can Queensland country contain this team? Uh, I'd like to, I'd yeah, like to see it, but I don't think so. I, yeah. I think Fiji continue the strong role. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to think. I think even though Queensland country, I don't think they're the same team as they were under Brad Thorne. I think um, the Drua may be making a pretty crisp run for this NRC title and it's really kind of showing the the depth and strength of the talent coming out of Fiji still. Mm. It's um, it's good to see, but, you know, NRC gave the, the Fijians an opportunity and they're not wasting it. That's it, taking it hands. Uh, next game, Sydney Rays um, coming out of Sydney, taking on Brisbane City and Quaid and Carmichael come to town. Yeah, I'll be the Rays. I'm ta- no, I'm taking the city in this. I think Rays are terrible. I don't like them. I don't mm. like the branding. I don't like how they just keep changing their uh, name. Oh, that branding. Yuck. I mean, it's it's a bit hard for these Sydney teams. Um, they've only had sort of a couple of training sessions because they've all just come out of Shoot Shield, which only ended two weeks ago. Um, but I think I think Brisbane City will yep. get it together after two sort of um, losses, which they'd be disappointed in, hopefully taking one out. And the next game, probably the game of the round, I reckon, the Vikings take on the force coming out of Canberra, um, two of the stronger teams that we've seen. 
I'm going to go Vikings. Home team. They looked like they uh, had their ruck and more game together last week. Uh, I I think they're... In a good spot. I, I guess these teams are missing their their Wallabies players, unless some guys are getting released this week while they're not in the the twenty three for the Wallabies, mm. um, which I haven't actually checked. But but yeah, the yeah, the more. Vikings do look the Vikings do look pretty strong. Yeah, I think it'll be a close one for sure. But I'm going to take the Force. I think they've just got that that kind of those formations really solid, and I think the Vikings they probably. Across the board, have a few more talented players, but I think as a team, the force will get it done. Well, that all pretty much wraps it up from us here uh, from the Running Rugby Podcast. Another big weekend coming up. I can't wait to see whether we Wallabies can put it back, uh, back to back for us and take down a bit of Ledesma um, this weekend. It will definitely be a good game and hopefully the Springboks and All Blacks beat each other into oblivion. So that'll always be nice to see as well. Um, get down and watch those games or catch up with some of the NRC. That last game that I think will be the game of the round is on at 3pm on Sunday, so you can stream it on um, rugby.com.au or get down to Canberra and have a look at that if you're in the area. But that's all from us, guys. Uh, Have a good weekend and keep on running. Run. Sips was nursing tender ribs last week. Yeah, he yeah. got smashed in the in the final the of the shield. shield yeah, he got hammered. Who, who did that? Can we I have put no him idea. in the centres? <laughs>